and blessings what's going on world it's your host t cat and this is well connected so we live appreciate you tuning in today have a very dope episode in store have a really cool interview so without further ado we're gonna get into it and as usual make sure you stay tuned stay hip stay connected all right and we are back like i said we have a very special guest today a very dope episode in store and today i have the jack of all trades herself, entrepreneur, Miss Kia. What's going on, Kia? Hey, what's up? I'm good, I'm good. Um, so Kia, how about you uh tell the world a little bit about yourself? Ooh, okay. Where should I start? Um, well, I'm a regular person. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, I mean I am, but so I um I have a business, my is naturals, where I make um and so natural skin and hair products. So if you need that body butter, shea butter, body oil, I got the goods. MyNatural.com. Shameless plug. Um, and I have recently started writing. Ooh. So I guess I could also introduce myself as an author officially. Um, so I have a children's book out right now. It's called I Really Can Do Anything. Inspired by my three-year-old daughter, Maya. And um, it's really about, like, teaching confidence and the lesson of persistence and just knowing you, you can do anything, um, you know, if you do a couple things. You got to get the book to find out what those things are. Though. Mm-hmm. And then I just um, recently also wrote a book of 100 haiku poems, mm. and it's called It's Time for My Break. And it is... A bunch of poems about, like, stuff you think about at work. Some of the stuff in there you probably would not say out loud. But it was, like, just a book of honest thoughts in the form of um, poems. So, check that out. Both of those are available on Amazon. Okay. Okay, dope, dope. Okay, so, as yourself, clearly, as someone who's um, independent and entrepreneurial, so I guess we'll start with, with my as natural. What made you um, first, I guess, start getting into that um, industry of trying to make, you know, skincare and soaps and stuff? And what, what, how did you get to that point? 
Well, um, I think this is starting to become a theme for me, but it actually started as a hobby. Hmm. Okay. Um, I went to a flea market one day with my roommate at the time, and I saw some shea butter, um, just the regular little African shea butter in a plastic bucket thingy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, I've been meaning to try some of it. So I got it, took it home, rubbed it on. I was like, I like the way it feels. Not impressed with the smell. It's a little bit, I don't know. I feel like I got to put some muscle in to like work it in. So I was like, I wonder if I can make this, but make it smell better and make it like smoother. Mm. So that's where the concept of Shea Bomb came from, okay. which is um, like the main staple product of Maya's Natural. Mm. And that's our body butter. Um, so when I later became pregnant I was like okay I need something to pass on to my baby Mm. and that's when I named the whole company Maya's Natural Mm. so that's the story of how that happened Um, yeah initially I just kind of wanted something for myself and then um, somebody close to me was like yo you got something good here like you could make it like a real thing Mm. and at first I was like and then I was like okay and I've been at it ever since. Okay, dope, dope. So mm-hmm. yourself starting off as an entrepreneur, um, so how much like time and research and stuff did it take for you to get to where you're at now and with your craft? Ooh, it took a lot of time, definitely a lot of time. Um, and I'm still not where I think I should be for the amount of time that I've been doing it, but that's another story. Um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of time, um, it takes discipline, hmm. um, which I can honestly admit that I lack sometimes in consistency. Hmm. Um, like when you start a business and you're serious about it, it's not something that you can just pick up and put down whenever you want. You really have to commit to it every single day, hmm. even the days you don't feel like it. Those days are the days you really need to be doing it because that's the test when the fun is over and, you know, all the glamour and the glory is, you know, not at the forefront of your mind anymore. Right. The commitment kicks in, like the the discipline to follow through even when the mood has passed. Like that, if you can master that, you can, you can accomplish a lot and you can do it quickly. Like when you're focused and determined Yes. Um, so it definitely takes time and it takes, um, it takes a lot of trial and error too. Hmm. Um, I know for me, every product that I think is going to be a winner doesn't always necessarily, um, turn out that way Hmm. and I'm okay with it. I know it's part of the process, but it is a little bit of, um, definitely trial and error and like just kind of not being afraid to try new things, to see what works, um, to see if something could work better, to see if you can, you know, get a different outcome if you manipulate some of the factors. Like, that process is very time-consuming. It's very, um, it requires a lot of energy, mental energy especially. Right. Um, so it's, a, it's definitely, being an entrepreneur is a big commitment. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... And it's a light, yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's not like a, you know, woohoo, this is just fun all the time. Like, no, it's not. 
Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if you put the work in, it can get to that point. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, when you're setting the groundwork, it's way more work than play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely almost an investment aspect. All the time and energy you put into it, um, and obviously the the goal and the outcome is going to be your product or whatever you're selling for any entrepreneur. But definitely, like you said, that focus and having that discipline is very key because you see all the times people may have different ideas or, you know, have something they want to, you know, want to do um, and do it for a little bit, but they fall back off it. Right. They don't necessarily, you know, things happen. And so I definitely want to tip my hat to you because it's, I understand that's hard. And for, you know, just for past couple of years, you know, from following each other online, Twitter and stuff, and just seeing how your company has grown and everything and with yourself and everything is very impressive and very, very admirable to be honest. So I think it's pretty dope. You got to this point. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So where do you see uh, Minds Natural going next? Where do you, you have any, um, you know, bigger goals or something like that? Do you ever see yourself being retailed in, in actual stores or do you want to keep it so all independent or how do you want to do that? So my next steps, and I don't want to really go too much into detail. Oh, that's fine. But um, I do want to kind of start to expand, uh, but more on a local level. Okay. Um, I've always wanted to kind of like reach back into my roots and where I come from, like in some way, shape or form. So, um, I think that Maya's Natural is, is, you know, a good opportunity for me to kind of like reach out on a local level, you know, using that, you know, as a gateway or a tool, um, and a, a resource for people also. And who knows what it could turn into, but, um, I do want, I want it to be familiar to the people that are in my community. Okay. My local one, you know what I mean? So that's what, that's what I'm working on next. Okay. Okay. That's dope. That's dope. Well, I'm sure it definitely will work itself out and then you put your mind to it. I mean, you definitely, you're a creator. So, you know what I mean? You make it happen. So, Absolutely. so that's cool. So with yourself and kind of be a creator and innovative. So with writing and now being a, a published author, which is pretty dope to say, um, so, you know, you said you kind of started as, you know, a hobby. At, at what point did you decide to actually, you know, put something down and, you know, and create, you know, a, a, a book out of this and, and, and be, and be published and be an author? What, what point, I guess, changed that, uh, that mindset for you? You know what, that point came after a very long period of introspection. Hmm. And really just sitting with myself and listening to myself and turning out like all the noise of what I was supposed to do and what was expected of me and, you know, what was other people's just idea of who I was supposed to be. I had to release all of that. Mm. And that took time. But once I got to that point, I realized that at the core of who I am before anybody else was a factor, writing was something that I enjoyed for myself. Right. There was there, It had nothing to do with anybody else at any point in time ever. Mm. And um, so I really connected with that, with that space and coming into that. Okay. And um, what got me, like, really to write something down and get it actually done one day during this period of introspection, I wrote down um, 30 things I wanted to do before I turned 30. Okay. And um, 
I did it, which was a lot harder than I thought. I mean, the first, like, 12 was cool, and after that, it was kind of a struggle. Um, but I'm just closing, and I, I came back to it one day, and I was just like, what on this list can I do right now? And so I went down the list, and I was like, oh, write a children's book. That was, like, number 21 or something. I think I posted it on Twitter at some point. Um, and I was like, I can write a children's book. I can I can do this right now. Like, this is not something that's going to take me, you know, forever and ever and ever. I can do this. So I sat down. I brainstormed. I came up with a couple of ideas. And then I, you know, created, like, a brief kind of outline of, how the story was going to go, and then I just wrote it. And then once it was written, I was like, wow, I did this. And then I was committed to it. And then I was like, okay, I need an illustrator. I need to figure out how to publish this thing. I need to, And I took it one step at a time until every single thing was done. Hmm. So That's cool. So That was that commitment. <laughs> well, definitely. And that's very interesting, just um, the story, how it got to that point and everything. So... Do you think um, being an entrepreneur and then, you know, having, you know, Minds Naturals and everything as well, do you think it gave you the confidence to go ahead and, and take this leap and become an author and stuff as well? Do you think contributed to it? I definitely think that um, that they they definitely play a role, both of them and each other. Um, I think having the, having Minds Naturals and that being like my first business that was mine, and that, you know, was 100% me and on me and coming from me. Um, that and, like, just being able to market that and promote that and stand behind that and be confident in that, it already, it, like, it's it set the creator in me on fire. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I know how to do stuff. Like, I can make stuff and I can put it out there and it can be well received. Mm-hmm. Like, I, because if you can do it once, I mean, you know do it again so right I, at that point I mean I think the confidence had already kind of set in just from having my natural for the amount of time that I had it and then once I figured out you know that I could do it because like I said that started as a hobby you know I just was like oh skin stuff and then somebody pushed me to do my natural but mm-hmm. that wasn't something that I may have originally thought about committing to on my own right writing was the first thing that I actually committed to on my own but doing it before from Maya's Naturals gave me the confidence like okay I can make something I can put it out there and it's gonna be fine like it's not gonna be the end of the world so you know okay that's cool that's cool um so I guess being a a multi-faceted entrepreneur do you find I guess is one easier than the other was did you find writing um, and creating a story easier to do than opposed to, uh, uh, you know, making, you know, your, uh, your products and stuff, or is it kind of a balance of both? Hmm. I would say that, huh, that they're totally different processes. Okay. And I don't know if they, if you access different parts of the brain, but for me, it's in totally different sections of like my brain. Hmm. Um, writing for me comes naturally like um one thought just leads into the next until i've created a story um and i have no control over that um 
with making Maya's Naturals, like making body butters, that is kind of more like common sense a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I hope that's not too harsh of a term, but I mean, no. you know, it's like, okay, I want this butter to be softer, so let me add some oil to it. Right. Okay, which oils are good for you? These ones. Okay, let me put these ones in. Mm. All right. Oh, I made it too soft that time because it's melting. Let me add less. Mm. Oh, let me put this scent in. Mm. Let me. What if I mix it with this one? Oh, that smells nice. Okay, now let me add this one. Oh, that smells even better. You know what I mean? Like right, that. Right, right, right. It's kind of more like playing mm-hmm. for me. Gotcha. Um, whereas writing is kind of like no, I'm. I'm like, I'm channeling almost like I'm getting these, these thoughts are coming to me out of, I don't know where, and I'm putting them down and I'm creating something for me. Mm. So very mm. different. Um, but I think easy, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because fo- like following instructions is pretty easy, but um, being in your own flow is also easy. So. Okay. Well, I think it's very dope. And yeah. Yeah, like, like you said, I can understand, like appreciate the fact, like you said, it's two separate processes how's it go along to it um Mm -hmm. and especially the writing aspect as well you know it's like you said that's something that comes from you and that's you know i mean if you write something you don't like you can simply erase it you know but you know you're creating a product or something though and it doesn't work out the whole start the whole thing back over again or something like that so i can see how definitely be two different type of processes that go along with it so for your first book um it's time for my break you mentioned earlier um again it was a children's book um, again, you created. That's called. That's called. I really can do anything. I apologize. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I guess how long did you decide before you're going to write the book, and then I guess how long was that whole entire process um, as a whole? Um. You know, I don't know if. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. It took me about. Um, I'll say an hour. Maybe to write the book, to like put put the brainstorm, like scribble out the ideas, you know, write out how I wanted it to go, and then to actually write it. The whole process was about an hour. Oh wow, yeah, very impressive. Hmm. Okay, okay, and so is that something as well, like that you know you like to at some point make a sequel to as well, or start a series potentially out of it? Definitely. Um, I've definitely um, thought about carrying that forward or adding to it um, as a collection. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed the process. I really like um, the illustrator that I worked with. So um, shout out to Tina Arts and Crafts. She's dope. She does a lot of different stuff. Um, But yeah, that was a that was a really fun, exciting process for me. So I would definitely love to do it again. I, would de- I definitely will do it again. I don't know when, but right. it'll, it's on the to-do list. Okay, okay, that's dope. Um, and then on the other side is that for your other project, um, it's time for my break. So what what, what really, I guess, you touched on it briefly, but what was, I guess, the real driving factor in going ahead and doing that one? <laughs> so that one was a funny story. Okay, so I have a complex relationship with corporate America. Okay. It's a, um, a salty dependent relationship, kind of. <laughs> um, um, so basically, um, how I came up with that was, 
a few months ago, um, I had I hadn't worked, um, you know, at a job for like uh, probably about nine months, eight or nine months, okay. maybe ten, um, almost a year, close to a year. I, I hadn't worked, and um, I was like, okay, this this little plan of mine isn't going how I wanted it to. Let me get back to, you know, a, a little more stability. Mm-hmm and trade my time for some money so I can get my stuff together. Right. Um, you know, so I, I made that decision to go back to work, but I wanted it to be different. I didn't want to go into it with the same, like, grumpy attitude that I had about it, which was the reason that I left. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I already know how I feel about work. I hate it. Um, I feel boxed in. I can't go outside when I want to. I can't get up when I want to. I can't eat when I want to. Like, it's you know, so much to be desired about having a job. But there's also benefits, like a steady paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I decided to change my mentality towards it and not be so, like, bitter and and cynical and critical about it. And I was like, okay, so how can I do that? So I thought about just writing, like, funny little thoughts that you have at work. Um so it started with me just writing some poems while I was at my new job that I had recently just got. I was like, okay, not a job. I'm not going to be, like, mad about it because that is not beneficial. So let me find a way to make this enjoyable for me. So I started writing little poems at my desk. Hmm. Now, and I was like, it would be funny if I had, like, a lot of these. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do 100. I'm just going to put them in a book and do 100 little poems. And that was like my little side project at work. And it was like, it was just a fun thing to do. And it worked because I, you know, I don't hate having a job anymore. Right. Hmm. Interesting. So have you, um, have you previously, you know, just kind of independently hobby stuffed and poems and stuff before, or is this something you try to just get into a new endeavor? Or I'm sorry, can you say that again? Uh, so have you, you previously um, like written poems and stuff like that, just like as a hobby, or is this something, or is, was this a new uh, endeavor that you went down by by doing? Yeah, I used to write poems. Like I still, I, yeah, I used to write poems all the time as a hobby. Um, plenty of types of poems. Um, before I wrote the book, I wrote, um, I picked up this book from Five Below. It's like, twi- like write the poem. That's what it's called. And they have another one called Write the Story. And they have other ones too, but it's like a little book and it has just, bo- it's a book of prompts. So on every page is a different prompt with like a set of words that you should try to incorporate into the poem or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I picked up that book and I was just going through it and I started writing them. And I was like, I, sh- I wonder if I could do, they say it takes 21 days to create a habit. Right. So I was like, okay, let me write a poem a day for 21 days and just see what happens. Like, let's see what comes out of it. So um, I did that and I posted that on one of my blogs and um, that kind of gave me the momentum to write the book because I was like, okay, well, I know I can write this many poems. You know, again, that confidence, like, all right, and I put it out, and whatever. I mean, I don't know. It didn't get that much attention, but I didn't do it for attention. I did it for me, mm. so I'm still satisfied regardless. Right, right. So that's cool how you kind of manifest and, and put it all together. And 
I think it's always very good when you're writing, doing something for yourself um, mm-hmm. and not for others. Because I think people sometimes can get caught up on, you know, always trying to get um, approval from other people or mm-hmm. always, you know, trying to prove to others certain things. And when that happens, we can kind of lose track of ourselves because we're not being organic anymore. Now we're doing things from the exterior point of view for other people. Right. And but then it happens, we just set ourselves up almost for failure sometimes because you're not truly being yourself. And I think it's kind of like, like you said, going back to the job aspect as well and how just your mindset, right? How, you know, you went back to, you know, like corporate America and in that regard, right? And the only thing different is going this time for yourself was just kind of the mindset. And I think for a lot of people, you know, I think that's what a lot of things in life always come down to our mindset and how we approach things. So Absolutely. So do you feel life with people at times, right? Do you feel that people, um, I think oftentimes people's emotions and our energy at times can be exploited and um, manipulated by certain people or individuals or organizations. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, I definitely think that energy um, can be manipulated, especially by those who know how to master it. And um, an important thing you said about emotions emotions um that is energy Hmm. and when people know that they can provoke certain emotions in you then you know they use that energy that you give off from you being emotional to their advantage Hmm. and i don't think that people think about that you know often for one and or they don't believe it or maybe it just doesn't cross their mind. But either way, whether, you know, the truth doesn't need you to believe it. Right. You know what I mean? It is what it is. So, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think that um, it's people getting the energy siphoned out here. Mm-hmm. And there's pe- plenty of people who are energy siphoners, whether they're aware of it or not. Yeah. I was going to mention there's a lot of people out here who are conscious and unconscious energy vampires. absolutely like they thrive on other people's energy like and that could be positive negative any kind there's so many types Ooh, child Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and i said and that's what we gotta really be conscious of stuff and that's one thing you know i've learned just throughout life and everything and meeting different people and different relationships and things it's like you have you sometimes you have to like emotions sometimes can blur the reality sometimes right um, mm-hmm. and what's going on and unfortunately when that stuff happens people find themselves in some toxic situations or you find yourself almost like you know not say you're trapped but it's kind of like you know you get to a point where something happens it's like man how, you, you kind of look back in retrospect like man how did how did i let this happen how did I let this, this thing right. happen? Um, and you look at yourself like, I'm, I'm smarter than this. I, I know better than this. And mm-hmm. until you're in that situation, it's like, oh, wow. Okay, this does happen. So especially like protecting the energy stuff is really a key component. Um, so do, I, I feel like a lot of people aren't necessarily always in tune with themselves, right? Like because we're in this, this constant, like, again, seeking approval and acceptance from other people and stuff that you we come off of who we naturally are and your right. energy. And it's like a, a false persona sometimes. And so for yourself, you said, you know, you went through a time of, you know, a good you know introspection, just kind of thinking and learning for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important because I realize some people like never take that time to really like 
just be be there for themselves and like right. that healing component. Um, why do you think some people, I guess, sometimes like this don't we don't take time to heal? Why do you think that is? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think that people aren't encouraged or taught really to ever, you know, sit with themselves other than as a punishment. Right. You know, like when you're a child, you know, you're told to go to your room or go in a corner or, I mean, even if you got a whooping like us, you know, (laughs) (laughs) then you still had to go somewhere and spend a few minutes in solitude. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that maybe, and I'm just coming up with this just now, I never really put that much thought into it, but maybe, um, you know, that's a subconscious thing, like being with yourself is a punishment, or you know what I mean, like being with yourself means you've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that plays into why people always um, look for outside validation, why people um, constantly seek approval from others um why people um kind of cut their own corners of their personality and who they are to fit into somebody else's box Hmm. and then you end up not being a fit anyway and you know i don't know and that that leads to problems you know so right i think that um it might come from that um and yeah i think being in tune with yourself is kind of i don't know i just don't I don't remember ever, you know, being encouraged to look within or, you know what I mean, like meditate or Mm -hmm. find peace or, you know, center myself. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... um, Like, yeah. And so I think sometimes comes down to, I think sometimes coming down to, like, accountability. Um, And people within themselves, I think that, especially... And in life, people don't like to take accountability in general, everybody, no matter demographic, whatever it is. Like, people sometimes don't like to take accountability, right? But it's a key component in the process of life and in growing as an individual. Because the way I look at it, right, every single thing that happens in life is an experience and, and a lesson, right? Pro, goods and bads. And for myself, I look at any negative situation I've been in and stuff, I say, okay, you know, that sucked. But, okay, what could have I have done differently in the situation? What things could have changed? And when you start looking at things in retrospect and realizing it, you know, and you take some accountability for your actions and stuff, then you kind of grow as a person and understand, okay, these are things that I may need to work on as a person or individual. Uh, these are things that I need to grow. But also, more importantly, you can realize these may be some things I need to stay away from. Um, for sure. You know, red flags and stuff like that. You know, when they pop up, you got to pay attention to those things. And for myself, through trial and error, sometimes I've seen some red flags, kept pushing through. <laughs> um, right. And then, then we all. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it's one of those things where, like, you always see people in some, like, crazy situations and stuff sometimes. And it's like, from an outside perspective, it's easy. Like, oh, why are they dealing with that? Until you're actually in that situation in some regard. And then it's like, ah, mm-hmm. yeah, I see. <laughs> so right. it's like that growth. So for yourself, um, like you said, you know, learn about healing, like meditation and stuff and things. Um, you know, I guess what what drew you to that that side of, or in having that kind of that knowledge of self or that, that healing part? What like what was something that or individuals or anybody that kind of introduced you to that? Um, hmm. 
have been on this path um, in a couple of different ways for like a few years now. Like that at this point, it's just kind of the natural progression for me. I don't really, you know what, I do remember who got me started on this. And this is about to sound a little crazy and I'm not ashamed. When the Illuminati was big and it was like, oh, Jay-Z is in the mm-hmm. Illuminati. Oh, yeah. Rihanna's in the Illuminati. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember those days. Oh, yeah. That whole, that time, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, what is the Illuminati? Mm-hmm. And it was really just a rabbit hole mm-hmm. after that. And, like, the knowledge and things that I learned, um, really, I don't even know how it happened. Things just kind of came together over time. And things are still coming together. Like, pieces kind of just fall into place based on what I seek. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's, that's um, I guess, how I got to this point. I mean, I also, like, when I face hardships or, like, things that go devastatingly wrong for me, I, after I'm done soaking about it, of course, because I do take my time, um, after I'm done with that, I, like, really sit and think about where I went wrong, and that's where the accountability part that you were talking about comes in, because it's like, okay, I get it, my feelings were hurt, okay, I know I have my, you know, surface reasons for why I did what I did, and why that was justified at the time, and hoo-hoo, ha-ha, whatever, blah-blah, But when I strip away all the ego and I get down to what actually happened, what did I actually do, and how did that play a role in how things turned out? Like, when you get to that space and you can be honest about the fact that there may be things about you that you might not like, Hmm. that's the beginning of becoming a better version of yourself or seeking ways to become the person that you want to be. If you can accept that you're not the person you think you are or the person you try to present yourself to be to others, if you are honest that you're not that person and you can point out the reasons why, because you did this, because you did that, because you said this and you... That's accountability. It doesn't count against you to grow. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, I don't like those things about myself. I've had several conversations with myself about my behaviors where I was not okay with certain things that I was doing. And I told myself, I don't want to be a person who does this. Uh I don't want to be that. Like when somebody describes me, I don't want that to come up. So maybe I should stop doing it. Yeah, and and it's actually, it's very important because like for myself, I definitely had to have gone through situations where have been very humbling to be honest. Um, look, ego. Every everybody has an ego in some sense, and mm-hmm. unfortunately at times, right, it can it can lead you astray to a degree because like for myself, I feel like sometimes sometimes I could be stubborn, right? And even stubborn just within my, within myself own self, and like. I've definitely had to like realize where I, with ego and especially just like my attachment to like worldly possessions and material things or just um, or, or again being around certain people or certain parts about myself. Like, again, you got to kind of step back um, and look at it again. One part of leadership is called like step on a balcony is where like you basically step on a balcony, quote unquote, 
and you just look at the scene and look at everything's happening. And I feel like everybody needs to do it sometime with their life. If we're like, you go through some stuff, it's time to like step back on that balcony and see, all right, this is, this is what's happening here. Is this that person? And like one thing my mom mentioned before, it always kind of stuck with me. She was like, all right, you know what? Who's the person you want to be like 10, 20 years from now? Something like that, right? What do people want to remember you as? And, and it's like, again, it's not even necessary on some, you are trying to appease other people, but rather if, since you know yourself as a person, what do right. you want people or yourself to be remembered as? Or, right, right. or people know you as, and that's an internal aspect more than anything else. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important because we live in this such a, you know, this YOLO, you know, you only live once mentality and mindset and stuff. And other people realize it's a lot deeper than that, in my perspective. Um, your soul never dies, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Your soul comes and goes and comes back again. So there's always a large karma aspect to it, a universal global karma and for yourself. And like, I don't know, for myself personally, I believe, I believe in reincarnation and everything. So this lifetime, what you go through now and everything is just all part of the overall process in a sense. And so I definitely feel that like, it's very important that you try to be best, try to be the best person you can be in everyday perspective, to be honest. Um, that's the only way you can be better. I mean, I realized that for myself, things that like, you know, things I'm not, you know, happy with certain things about, and you know, some things I'm proud about, some things I'm not proud about. Right. But it's like, okay, you know, how do I go from here? And that's really from trying to be from individual perspective and trying to grow and stuff like that. So, and, right. and even though it might not like change your life, you know, on the outside, like magically, you know, things are different and better. It makes you feel better about the life you're living, mm. no matter what it is. You know what I mean? You can say, okay, this was my doing. I'm going to fix it by doing that. Or, you know what I mean? I'm not even going there because I'm not dealing with that. Right. Um, that, that Having that power over yourself and, you know, being in the driver's seat of your own life is um, a totally underrated feeling. Okay. So, and with that, right? Um, in terms of just the accountability aspect, right, and, and taking control of your life. One thing I see oftentimes, and really on social media, right, and unfortunately this growing trend, and it's really just the black community you see this, is this growing gender wars, right, where um, we see people, uh, unfortunately, between the black man and black woman, um, there's growing some tension, um, and it's a lot of division, to be honest. And... As much as I 100% think that black men do need to do a lot better job of supporting, uplifting, and protecting black women, 100%, right? Um, I think sometimes when you realize that there is, everybody in the black community is facing, um, in regard, sometimes some systematic aspects, or some things are all holding us back in some regards. It's not like we're going to say picking and choosing. So how do you feel about this whole kind of gender war stuff going on within our community? even know man i honestly think it's just a social media yeah, I was gonna thing say that. I was gonna... because i'm outside literally every day and i don't see it so when i go on twitter and see people yapping about that nonsense i feel like they're just doing it like just because like oh i'm just gonna say anything okay mm-hmm. yeah black man trash haha like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't understand it. 
Um, you know, so I I don't know. I think it's I don't know at this point. Maybe it's just a conversation topic, like just something for people to engage in. Not that people. I don't know that people genuinely believe this these things with their whole heart and soul. I don't see how they could when every black person has black family members of the opposite gender. I mean, like, I can't comprehend it logically, like, how someone could genuinely feel that way. So I just write it off as like, oh, these crazy people with this mess again. But I do think that there's a psychological component to it that's serious and probably, um, you know, left unchecked could have some effects down the line. Mm -hmm. And it's that young black people, boys and girls, are very impressionable. Young people in general, but we're talking about black people, so that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, they're very impressionable. So they might not have the mental capacity to know whether somebody is just saying any old thing for kicks and giggles or if they really do feel that way. Mm-hmm. And if they think that that is these people's reality, then they could assume that it's their reality too. And then it becomes a reality that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Or it enhances a reality that maybe on some levels existed but wasn't so prominent. It like shines the light on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that it's not good for the black psyche on a collective level you know for gender wars to even be a thing especially on public forums mm-hmm. like I don't know I think that um, I don't know maybe we just play so much that we just I don't know at our own expense you know what I mean so it's like even things that maybe could or should be taken a little more seriously or have deeper implications, everything gets written off as a joke, mm-hmm. especially on the internet. Oof. So, yeah. I mean, like, I just wrote it off as a joke. I'm like, ha ha, these crazy people. But at the same time, <laughs> it was a 12-year-old, you know, boy seeing, you know, uh, a whole hashtag full of black men are trash, or a 12-year-old girl seeing, you know, whatever, all these slurs about black women, whatever, whatever, not being good enough or I like Latinas and white women or whatever at black women's expense. You know, that, I don't know, because I'm, I'm, I mean, but I would assume that it could possibly have, you know, some longer-term consequences that then we're giving thought to right now. Right. And, and that's the thing as well, because, like, like you said, I think a large component is really social media where this happens. Um, because, like I said, in real life, you don't see the divide like it, portrays on social media like that's just that doesn't happen like that um and for myself though i am i think it is something to definitely keep an eye on because like you said it's really the, the sub, subconscious aspect to it and and what it's doing to people um now for myself working in education and i work with kids and stuff especially working in like inner city schools like we're all black kids like yeah i always get a divide like that it's not really real life that's the thing that's kind of interesting because in real life like black kids black boys black girls still like each other talk to each other like that that happens stuff still um but i feel like that people at times because we we go through these things um i think a lot of people like especially on social media right it's an easy place where you could like you can express yourself right you know i guess it's a good platform but you can also like 
any insecurities you have or any negative tension and stuff, people put it out there in social media all the time, right? And, and misery loves company. And I think that's really what all that right. is. I think it's people who unfortunately have been hurt in some capacity by the opposite gender um, in some regard, whether that's, you know, a lack of father at home or something like that, or maybe unfortunate, you know what I mean, relationship with someone their significant other maybe, right? Or someone maybe had a negative relationship with their mother or something like that, right? I think a lot of this stuff is rooted in, from some cause somewhere, right? But it's not necessary, but it's not, it's not, they're not healing. So they never recognize these things or where it comes from. And so when people make these jokes and stuff and things, it's like, all right, like y'all do know, like nobody's winning from this. Like, like. Right, <laughs> because like, if you think about it, it's kind of crazy because on one hand, every, you know, adult allegedly on Twitter can tell you of some, you know, story of them feeling inadequate because of or related to their blackness in some way, shape, or form. Something happened, something, you know, I wasn't light enough or I got called this or I was, Everybody has a story, mm-hmm. but we don't think about how our actions could be affecting the stories of the people after us. Right, and we're creating the story that they're referring to as reality. Right, because I don't think a lot of people also understand this. Like with the again, the human mind, and how powerful it is, and especially as right. it seems like we're all we're all connected. I mean, there's all we're all on the same energy grid, and so with our consciousness and so mm-hmm. if we're putting out this negative energy and this negative negative portrayal then after a while then we're going to start some start thinking like that in some regard um and so i think it's very interesting for me to like understand that like that's why again you know again in real life this stuff doesn't seem to happen but again social media has become such a a, a growing force now um how everything is is that you know i mean it's it almost shapes our reality in a sense. That's what I was about to say. It's almost at the point, and it could be, like, on an energetic level, if there was, like, energy, you know, like, I don't know, detectors, which you probably are, social media would probably, like, be a big conductor of it. Right. Because it's still, you know, it's still signals being tossed around. People are sending and receiving signals. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, that is, it's, it's, it's the same thing and I definitely think it has grown to the point now where it um I, I don't know if it like works the reality completely but it definitely puts little dents and stuff in it like it definitely has like effects like the you can sometimes see like how things pop up on the internet and then they pop up on the news mm-hmm you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, I see what's going on here. Y'all are watching the people <laughs> then determining, you know, what is popular. You know, it's a whole thing. But, right. yes, the energy that comes from social media is, is real. It's fact. Yeah. And so that's when it's very important people to protect their energy as well. Because, again, you can you can catch almost a, a stray bullet of, of your energy being drained. Like, people people get online. Like, one thing for myself I've I've learned is, like, yo, I can't, don't let, a random stranger's opinion like stress you out <laughs> like right like why are you so pressed like just log off it's like that <laughs> infamous Tyler creator tweet talk about cyberbullying he's like nigga log off <laughs> like how you getting bullied like right. again it goes to this shit like why are you letting someone else control your so much of your life and energy for what and also I realized a long time ago look sometimes people are just aren't going to agree that's just that's just life. Everyone has different opinions. 
And so it doesn't matter how much you yell and how much stuff you say to somebody. If you're not going to agree, you're not going to agree. And again, you're putting so much time and energy trying to prove something to someone else who's a random stranger that lives thousands of miles away. For what? Right. <laughs> And it's like, either at the end of the day, neither one of you are probably going to change your mind. Right. So, <laughs> and do you care if they do or not at the end of the day? Right. So, it's it's a very interesting component how it all comes together here. Um, and so, I see that with, with, with people, and then especially like, you know, nowadays, especially in this whole, uh, you know, politics stuff and everything as well, this, you know, political environment we have here. We, we live in such a... It's almost like you have to choose a side. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're either against something or you're for something here. And it's like, it's as if like being independent on certain topics and taking things from a case-by-case basis doesn't exist anymore. And, mm-hmm. and I think by doing that, sometimes we limit ourselves as as people and individuals because like people are multifaceted. People can have various different views and different opinions on stuff. And, right. And when we try to just like always throw someone into a box you know, what I mean, when you put someone to a box with a label that comes with certain, you know, biases with that, that comes with, you know, what I mean, certain stigmas that come with that. And like, I don't think we like grow as people when that happens. And I think especially I see in the black community, especially like politically speaking as well. Maybe I get too deaf into it, but I think sometimes black people just are very closed minded when it comes to politically politics sometimes and mm-hmm. about what we should be working towards or voting for. Um, and it's like, again, a lot with like, I think with fear mongering and just also the fact we don't have that independent thinking and it's like, yo, that just holds us back as a whole. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like, we, we need to grow past that. For sure. And so, um, yeah. So, yeah, um, crazy hypocritical when you really think about it <laughs> uh, the epoxy to it because it's like we get this people getting these pedestals like i'm right you're wrong so it's like i can attack blue you and do whatever i want because my position is right but right. you can't attack me if you attack me then it's because of x y and z insert ism <laughs> i mean that's mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like all right well look that's necessarily the case here like all right you've gonna you know what i mean you gotta be equal here if you want you know if you want to attack someone, then you can't be afraid to get attacked back, in a sense. So, it's like, I don't know, people people kind of wild with that. Yeah, well, people don't be trying to get it at all. Nah, I'm trying to get it at all. People enjoy um, being able to attack or having having a target. If when, when the USA points out a bad guy, the USA yells, fuck the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. And it's like that on a whole lot of different levels. USA is just one example. But that's just, that's, that's you know, herd mentality. Yeah. I mean, and- like either this or that. You know, if it became, um, you know, if, if the, I'm just throwing this out here as an example. If the two-party system all of a sudden decided to be a three-party system, 
and like promoted that and you know got behind that and pushed that on the mainstream population that's what would happen mm-hmm. so it's not because of a genuine belief that it can only be one or the other it's because people are conditioned to believe that it can only be one or the other mm. when one and the other benefit somebody else right and again, right, and it's it's such a right because it's that like you said that herd mentality and stuff and everything, especially like in that political aspect. Um, it's like again for like especially being black. It's like obviously a lot of black people vote Democrat. It's kind of historically been like that, right? But mm-hmm. in the same sense, it's kind of like I think more black people are kind of wake it up. It's kind of kind of seeing the Democratic Party hasn't been always you know the best friends for black people and everything, and uh, seeing some of the negative qualities stuff to it. But again, it's like again, it's two party system, right? It's like if you ask if you ask a black person, right, like what is the Democratic Party or anybody actually, you ask like a Democrat, like what has Democratic Party done to help black people, right? Don't name you all the negative stuff Republicans have done. If you ask a Republican, what is, has the Republican uh, what has the Republican Party done to help black people? Don't name you all the negative stuff Democratic Party has done. And again, it's just like these two sides. It's like all right, well look, both y'all champion on certain levels here. Um, but you understand here that like it's a two-way street here so in some regard here like there has to be a little bit of both sides and a little truth to everything and i don't think people realize that i think people forget there is there's always another side of the coin in some regard it's not always just that plain and simple nothing is <laughs> right it's not, right it's like i mean what are the chances that on a test you're going to mark a for every single answer and be right Mm-hmm. i mean so going down the line of any system of belief, you know, under whatever the ism or the title or the, you know, name is and all that it's supposed to be, how many people are really going to have all straight down the line, 100% everything? Right. That's absolutely a reason that I never chose a religion. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, you know what? I don't think there is one that I'm going to agree with 100% enough to claim it as mine. So, I'm just not going to have one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of how... Because I believe a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it doesn't really fit in the box of just this list. And and that's how I kind of feel as well. Like, especially for myself. Like, you said mentioned earlier, like, kind of that going through, like, the Illuminati phase or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because that was something that like, I think for myself really... I guess sparked my journey. So it was like for myself, my freshman year of college, back in like 2011, um, and I started looking just getting YouTube and stuff, right? And I started learning Illuminati again, like with like Jay Z, Rihanna, and all this stuff and everything, right? And just watching YouTube videos days and days and days out, right? And going down that rabbit hole, going down that rabbit hole, and it got to a point honestly where I kind of got consumed to a degree, right? And it was just like there's so many conspiracies to every single thing it is in the world. And I'm like, all right, this stuff started consuming. But at the same time, I started to follow some more conscious people and stuff and learning more about things. And with that and stuff as well, kind of introduced me to various different spectrums, especially from the spirituality aspect. And I went through what I call TCAT Religion Free Agency a couple years ago. And that was really just like started learning a lot more about like all these different type of other religions. And it was very intriguing to see how many parallels there are between all these religions and stuff. And I was, I started looking, I was like, wow, I think we could honestly, you could learn a little bit about all these religions, take a little bit of something from them and apply it to your life. 
And yep, I was kind of like, well, why can't I just do that? Like, I'm saying, why do I, do I have to have one specific title and stuff like that? Um, right. And that's for myself. I really have have grown into and got to that point. And I, I feel a lot better as a person, individual, because it's like I'm still growing and still learning stuff and everything. But I don't have to be trapped in a box or anything like that or have a, 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 a you know, a certain title or anything as well. So those are things that, like, you know, I'm trying to grow as a person. But it's like some people can't see that happen. It's like, oh, you don't believe in my interpretation? <laughs> then it's like, oh, you must be wrong. That's that's what I tell people, like, when they, when people right, ask me. Right, and it's very, it's very simple to think that way. That's a very easy, um, you know, I'm sure things are easier when there's only two options. Right. So, I mean, kudos to those people. I can't relate. But, you know, it is a very simplistic way of living. I wish it could be that easy all the time. Right. Just be like, oh, nope. Yes or no. Right or wrong. Is it in line with what I think? No. Okay, then. It's wrong. Like, uh, me, I'm like an analyzer. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What is this? And what is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. I'm going to sit down and unpack it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's very important to also just be conscious of stuff. And it's okay, it's okay to challenge things. We, we, we've been conditioned to just 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 believe or just have faith and it's not wrong with that but at times when you do that you you are taking away your god-given ability to control your own dominion and make your own decisions based right. off of what you see how you feel because everything you taught has been man's interpretation by someone else who interpreted it and so yeah. what makes them more capable to interpret something than you yourself Exactly. Yep. <laughs> and so it's a very interesting component. Um, so I'm gonna here trying to wrap some things up here. Um, real quick, what do you think? And you don't have to get too in depth into it, but what do you think? I guess are some issues, real issues facing the biggest issues facing like the black community and stuff. Hmm. I mean, there's some big issues facing the black community. Mhm. Or Black community, or so you could say society as a whole in general. Hmm. Let me think about that. So, I haven't, honestly, I used to think about black problems all the time. <laughs> and I haven't in a while. Um, but let me think. I think right now, the biggest problem, you know, I'm in the black community a lot and I don't that many problems other than like poverty right um and maybe everything that's associated with that from the lack of resources in the black community um to the way that we treat each other has a part to play in it it's not the whole reason or it's not the whole cause um but i think it does play a factor in our you know condition as, I don't know, um, hoodlums? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how to say a word for, you know, people who live in the hood. I mean, like, you know, the, the black areas, we all know what I'm talking about, right. but I don't know if there's a politically correct word to use. It's not necessarily the ghetto. Right. Um, you know, because there's a lot of ground between, like, ghetto and, like, middle class there's mm-hmm. a 
really big stretch between homelessness and living good. Mm. And a lot of black people, you know, are in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think economics, you know what? I think the number one, the biggest problem right now in the black community is the way we spend our money. Ooh, yeah, you talk about it. We don't invest in our own communities enough. We don't circulate our dollar amongst ourselves enough. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that plays a huge role in why we can't seem to get a leg up um, because we outsource everything. Um, I think we could do a, a much, much, much better job. And I want to say everything because there's a lot of skills that specifically black people have that serve the black community. Right. So I do want to be clear about that. Right, um, right, right. But but on but on a you know large more massive scale, I think that just generally speaking, we just don't we don't spend our money um, as strategically as we could in a way that would benefit us the most efficiently, like quickly. Okay. Like it wouldn't even take a long time with a strategy. Right. But we ain't got no strategy. So it's taking a long time. Facts. And all right. And to that point, right? All right. So like like you said, like ninety eight percent of the black income is spent outside the black community. And that's why okay. How do you feel if today, if black people got reparations somehow, right? I know it's a real it's a topic of stuff going on and everything. If somehow, some way that magically did happen. Do you think today the black community is ready today to handle that responsibility? I think a reparations payout for black people would play out the same exact way that tax refund season does. Mm -hmm. It would be the same thing. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is people do with their money, at that time, when they got a lot of it, a big old chunk, mm-hmm. people, you know, buy cars, people put down deposits on stuff, people, you know, get stuff they can't really afford, that they can afford it in the moment, so fuck it, you know, I think mm-hmm. it would be a lot of that going on. Right. Um, and I think it would be, because we don't keep our money in-house, I think it would be a really big, like, economy boost. I think it would be like a stimulus package for the whole nation because that money is going to everybody. It's not mm-hmm. just staying with us. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I feel like it would be kind of like a stimulus package by way of black hands. Like, go feed the market, black people. Yep. Here's a check. Go go feed the fishes with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Make, make a spat again. Give it, give it right back. I, that's that, that's so. what I'm saying. Cause I, look, I'm... I've seen what people get refund checks in college. I see where that money goes. I mean, like you said, I've, you said you, the tax returns every year. You see that. And that's why I think the black community, sometimes we got to be realistic about stuff. We have this kind of like, not say naive mindset, but like, yo, we, we act as if we're going to get reparations that suddenly, somehow, way, our spending habits are just going to change just like that. Oh, right. Like, like, what money <laughs> is the key to bad spending? Oh, my gosh. It's not. Right. It's not. That's not the fix. Yeah. But when people have never had it, you know, it's still an option. They're right. like, how you know that's not the answer? Right. Let me try it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and 
and that's what I'm saying. And that's one thing I think for the whole reparation debate and stuff. And I think, you know, reparations, I, I do think black people should at some point get some type of reparation in some capacity. I don't know if it's straight cash. I don't know if that's, that's land or ownership. I don't know if that's, you know, eliminating student debt. I don't know what that is in some capacity, right? But I do think that something is owed, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, for black people, you got to realize uh, it's no coincidence that these politicians have only brought this stuff up in election year. Um, again, slavery ended like, you know, 150 years ago. It's not like you know, slavery ended last week. <laughs> We're just trying to talk something up now. Like, so... I personally don't think reparations are really going to happen in some capacity. Um, I mean, I, I think maybe at some point. I don't know. I, I'm not really too confident in that. I think it's an important thing, but I just feel like we have some more issues and stuff like that we could put our time, due diligence, energy towards. Um, something that we can actually control because reparations is one of those things that is not on us. It's on someone else to do something about. And, right. and so when that's happening, when it's something that we can't really control and especially when it's like you're asking the same people that you claim oppress you and stuff like that to also, you know, cut that check. Have fun with that one in my eyes. I mean, look, I, mean, I hope it happens. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm for policy to start talking about and everything like that. But I'm kind of realistic about this thing. And I'm like, honestly, I don't think we're really prepared for it right now. I think we should start showing we can have some economic, um, you know, I mean, discourse and have more economic, you know, discipline and everything before we get right. dropped with that money. I think that would be a great thing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I found a lot of um, 
a lot of good stuff in that book. So I do recommend that. Black America Inc. A, tr- um, a trillion Donation. dollar nation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, if reparations came with a strategy that, like, I don't know, we, most of us agreed on, kind of like a vote. Like, all right, we're going to vote. Okay, who wants it to be this? Who wants it to be that? Okay, right. this is it. And you kind of just got to deal with whatever happens. Mm-hmm. You deal with the outcome. You know what I mean? Like, something like that. I don't know how we would get to that point of agreeing on a strategy, but I definitely think, like, some type, like, there needs to be more to it than just the check, because then what? And that's what I'm saying, because, like, we have that money, and then what happens in five, ten years from now, that money's burnt out, and then what? What do we have to show for it? I mean, I think there may be some people... Go ahead. Right, and, like, we're talking about this money that we're owed from centuries ago, and it's like, why squander it in one generation if it's been owed for 400 years? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now just don't make the money last another 400 years, or don't make it last at least till your grandchildren can be... That, you know, a different type of lifestyle than you did. I mean, I don't understand, but, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. But, um, but one thing is, what well, I think is important to understand that, it's, it, first of all, like for like I said, for our cash preparations, for, for starters, the country doesn't have the money for that. Like, I think someone did, a scientist uh, actually did a, a study on it. It's like a trillion dollars. Like, it's like $50 trillion. That's some crazy number what the actual number is for reparations and our country just physically doesn't have that money or at least what they say we don't have that money okay um if we want to get that money out because that's like a mass majority of our whole gdp we would be giving out and they're not gonna give it up just to black people that's never gonna happen also if we did get a cash payout what they're gonna do in the system is look honestly i feel like they're gonna cause inflation everything's gonna go up in price and stuff like that they're they're never gonna make to a point where black people can be economically superior than others in this country i'm sorry this is not gonna happen it's not gonna allow that to happen that simply um so you know what i mean not willingly not willingly. if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen by force right so i mean whenever y'all ready but um yeah it's not gonna you can't ask for it that's a fact right that's not happening so yeah. In that regard, so it's like something we gotta build within ourselves, and then really apply that pressure. Cause that's what that's what comes down to economics. You know what I'm saying that's where change and stuff made, all power, influence, policy, legislation, lobbying. It's money, economics. That's what everything comes down to, unfortunately. Um, but that's the reality of the scope we're at in society. So, you know, we gotta kind of prepare for that in some regard and move forward with that. But um, okay, well, as we um, kind of sum this up here. Where can people find all your various different endeavors and stuff like that? So where did I find it? Uh, where can we find it as people? Can we, where can we find like your website? Where can we find everything? Oh, like all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> my bad. Okay, so I'll go with the latest stuff first. My book of 100 haiku poems for a woman at work. It's called It's Time for My Break. You can find that on Amazon. Just search for the title. It's Time for My Break. Okay, and then I have my children's book. I really can do anything that is also available on Amazon. You can search that title as well. And Maya's Naturals, um, your, all your natural skin and hair care products. Um, I get great reviews on everything. Um, check out our testimonial page if you don't believe me. Um, and that's mayasnaturals.com and mayasnaturals on all social media and it's spelled M-A-I-Y-A. 
All right. Well, I'll make sure I put the link and everything in here. Also, I can say I have a, pers a personal testament. I'm a frequent user of My Natural. Um, yeah. Bum, so I'm, I'm already hip. It's a very great, very dope thing. So that's all I use. So, you know what I'm saying? Definitely got to go and check that out. Well, Key, I appreciate you finally oh, sure. sitting, sitting down with me today and having this nice conversation here. And I uh, look forward to speaking again soon. So Absolutely. And before I go, I just wanted to say a personal thank you for your contribution to I Really Can Do Anything, getting illustrated. And shout out to everybody else who helped make that happen. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You got to support our black businesses out here. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Right. So as usual, guys, make sure y'all stay tuned. Y'all stay hip. Y'all stay connected.